The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. Um, I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. Hitting folks with the new new. Um, the sample. That's cute. Oh, you know what? That's what I should have. Anyway, sorry. Looking at some behind-the-scenes stuff. And that sound effect that you heard come from none other than our, our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70. Stop, everybody. You know, if there's, there's one thing to be jealous of Brooklyn about is the... The number of shout-outs that are that, that are that are in a good number of sounds. Yes, they are liberally sprinkled among hip amongst hip hop, right? Yes, it is. It is. You one would say it is a staple of hip hop. <laughs> but um, but yes, folks, uh, you can find this here program on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find this at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, excuse me, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's uh, SoundCloud page. And, uh, folks, I'm sorry, I should not be looking at Twitter when this that stupid versus is going on, also, but. So what? Competing tonight on versus. Uh, it's Jeezy versus Gucci Mane. Who? Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I know who both of them are, but it's. I'm so sorry. The cur- rap, the the the, the hip hop curmudgeon in me just came out and started swinging. Yeah. It, it sounds. I couldn't listen. I could not even say. I understood that reference. <laughs> couldn't even say it. Uh yeah oh I didn't know I still had that um that background up that's weird um but yeah it's 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 it looks to be a, a train wreck but that's not why we're here tonight we are here to talk comic books folks um that that is a whole nother podcast if you want some rap stuff maybe go check out the uh the eclectic discussion podcast they do stuff over there shout out to, to eclectic and twelve Kyle. 
There you go. Um, well, you know, I'll fix that later. But anyway, we are going to start off with uh, the comic books of the week. And uh, we said we were going to start off with uh, X of Swords, a.k.a. Ten of Swords, uh, with X-Force number 14, which uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say is a potential click of the week for this week. Listen, it was good. It was good. It, it, this is, uh, for those of you keeping score, Ten of Swords, Chapter 17. So mm-hmm. if you know, there's only, when I say only, I really mean this tongue-in-cheek, only 22 chapters in Ten of Swords. So we only have five, well, this is, uh, including this one, uh, five more left. Well, but after this week, we only got three. But yeah, exactly. And yeah, because we were, we were talking about it before the show. I was like, yeah, this thing has been cooking because of the fact that, and, and shout out to uh, uh, Tim, who also noted this in, in tweets uh, earlier this week, that, um, you know, them shipping, you know, three books a week or whatever the case, uh, yeah. or at a time, rather, not necessarily a week, but on the weeks that it comes out, right. has been a good help in the last, and, and granted, it didn't start like that because we were getting like two books uh, like two books a week for a good minute up until the last couple of weeks. And as uh, Agent 70 noted, it was because, you know, we, they took a week off or uh, it didn't, none shipped a, in a week and that might have helped things out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I wonder, now I'm kind of wondering, since you did say that, I'm kind of wondering if that was uh, on purpose. It's hard to say. At the end of the day, I would, I would note that obviously in the wake of uh, the COVID-19 disruptions in publication and distribution everything is still relatively fluid so yeah you know we're, we're and 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 knock on wood we'll see what happens you know we'll see what happens over the winter so right uh, but also as the- but also as we've noted though that um uh um uh, ten of swords hadn't necessarily been affected as much by you know the 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 um, you know, the earlier COVID uh, non-shipping of books because it kind of started later anyway. It was pretty much started when I think it was supposed to. What I would what I would add, though, is they also have to fit in books that were supposed to come out, right. you know, that were disrupted. So uh, it may not have disrupted the start of the, uh, the, the start of the event uh, technically, but it definitely has affected the distribution and publication of it. So, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you know, we, we're not privy to their original release schedule, um, even with um, even with solicitations. So it, it's hard to really uh, pin that down. But uh, as I said, getting back to uh, X-Force number 14, it's written by Benjamin Percy and Jerry Duggan with art by Joshua Kassara and colors by Guru EFX. Uh, I would note that this issue contains some of the sillier contests that eventually lead to Arako building a really big lead in points hmm. over Koa. Some would um, say the greater <laughs> con- um, um, contest. I mean, if you're into like, <laughs> if things like um, this isn't even this is, you know, some of the contests were, were you know, this isn't um, Ninja Warrior stuff. This is more uh, uh, Double Dare. And, yeah. and, <laughs> at this point I'm kind of surprised they didn't go um, either nope, one of those not. routes <laughs> with everything they put into it I'm like they did pretty much everything but those listen they had a jigsaw puzzle contest so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah. listen, it was it was hysterical. Definitely, definitely recommend reading this. Um, I know that uh, Roddy Cat was is, is very keen on this issue, and I would note that um, this is a reminder, a strong reminder that uh, uh, from Storm that she is a formidable that she is a formidable character without her powers. Um, she's only temporarily deprived of them in this issue. That's a mild spoiler, but um, this is a history lesson for those readers that do not remember the original Mohawk Storm stories leading up to Fall of the Mutants. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Lest we forget, you know, Storm without her powers is still, as, as I just said, quite quite formidable. And that was that was as much as anything else um, that I saw in this one because I wasn't really sure where they were going to go with that. Um, and this could have gone uh, told other way, but we also know they have storms for, uh, plans for storm, you know, in the coming year, and mm-hmm. or in the coming next year. So we knew. Well, we don't know whether we're going to good. They could have just as well done that either. Also, but um, um, they, they're doing they're doing they're doing things with this. Um. I know. Also, there was also one part. Speaking of that and storm, because so so, so there was also a uh, a runway walk um, <laughs> that um, that had um, storm and Wolverine looking. I've kind of felt bad for him, but it, that's all. That was one of the panels that like there was a few panels in this in in this year that that I just had general like, chuckles about, like it's going to like full out laughter in a couple right. of cases, including the scene with uh, um uh Gorgon was it Gorgon Magic and um um I can't remember who else what it was it oh it was Wolverine uh on that panel <laughs> uh you know the one I'm talking about if you if you if you remember it but there was some general there was some some just genuine laughs out of this one. But the back to the catwalk thing that's like you know oh, that yeah, one the- that one kinda had me was like what really how did this happen? Uh, without them, spoiling it, this, yeah, one of them was like pushing the rock up the hill. The sisyphus, the sisyphus, yes, sisyphus. Not that one, but yeah, that was a, that was a, the one after that. But that one was pretty funny too, because you see, yeah, you see that whole scene play out, and like I was like, I would love to see some of this kind of. Um, I don't know if I would see it in uh, live action, but I would love to see it like animated because some of the stuff was just like that. Would, that would be that would be a trip to just watch. Yeah, it's pretty comical. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, so there was there was okay. So I know there was there was a. a I know well. We definitely see this week. Um, there are people losing body parts. Um, and in one notable person in this one lost a body part, and this has always been a thing, or this has been a thing for a, quite a while. That has that kind of is weird about this. So Logan loses a hand, you know, almost, um, let's say star Wars style. And of course he's got his healing factor, which apparently must be back considering, you know, cause he was also under the effects of, um, whatever that stuff that storm drunk, uh, during, was it Marauders? Oh, it's actually, it, they actually mention it in one of the, uh, the data pages under blights will. Yes. Wolverine got it out of his system pretty quickly, right? Because because of his healing factor, which was on the fritz when that happened. But it, yeah, but it, he worked through it. Um, so he lost a hand, but apparently he gained it back. You know, by this man, and I'm sitting here like, well, so wait, 
he lost his hand and knowing what we do about, and I probably shouldn't be thinking about this that much. One, he's got animanium bones. So did the hand cut, did the hand, um, grow back with the antimanium, 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 or did, you know, is it just bone? When, what issue did he lose his, lose his hand in? Uh, I believe it was in Wolverine, uh, last week. Last week? Yeah. All right, I'm going to flip back to that. Because he was in that three-way with Solemn and War. I'm going to flip back to that. I think it was Wolverine. It was either Wolverine or whatever came before Wolverine, but I believe it was the Wolverine episode issue. I'm flipping through it now just to see, because I don't recall that. That's, yeah. why, that's why I'm, I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, we he, definitely saw a couple of characters lose their hands. Right, War uh, lost a hand. Um, matter of fact, both dudes to Solemn uh, and Wolverine did. And I'm trying to remember whether he had his claws out or not because that's a whole other uh, situation that was kind of made me wonder. I was like, well, wait. Because again, when he retracts, we do know that part of his, well, I guess that goes back to his forearm, but that's that part was, you know, um, is what it was, but it was like the whole losing the hands. Like, what did he lose his claw? No, no losing hands. Yeah, Wolverine has his hands at the end of this issue. Mm. The one the character that loses his hand is the um, the person that was supposed to fight Solemn, the flaming head guy. That's the character that loses. No, his war. Hand. Yeah, war. No, he. Uh, no, Wolverine also lost his hand. Um, no got chopped up but definitely didn't lose anything if you look at the last if you look at the last panel of the issue he's got both hands one of them holding the, um, the Muramasa blade okay well maybe he got it back during the thing but I figured but okay whatever I'll, I'll look at it later it's not but it was um... I think you're just misremembering because I think there's a couple like I said there's a couple of characters that lose hands but it's not Wolverine hmm be that as it may that kind of made me Wonder because I know, yeah, because like I remember he, he got the blade in his shoulder and his neck or whatever, like, but of course, he, he lost a hand. Regardless, this is a, he actually cut his opponent's hand off, so I think that may, that's that's what you're remembering. And pretty sure, because like I said, I'm looking at it right now because I'm trying to figure well, because if that was the case, because if that was the case, how did they lose a point? Because I remember, uh, because he didn't die. Well, no, 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 but I'm, I'm I know that, but I'm saying because. Araco got the point because it was a fight to the death, and the point was the fight to die. Well, uh, well, it was a point to Solomon. What I'm saying is because Solomon was the one that was cutting off uh, whoever's hand. No, hold on. Now you're gonna make me go back and look. Because I, I think look, he, even in uh, even in like Cable's recap page, I believe it mentions, or either if it's not Cable's, it was either Cable's or it was um, whoever was reporting to Mojo first. But regardless, we keep on going. Uh, yeah, I'm like, seriously, you got to look at it. <laughs> no, like I said, I, like I said, I will, but I was like, uh, no, 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 no. But uh, it's time to pull it up on your handy dandy tablet and take a look at our comments. Well, I don't have my, I don't have my tablet on right now, but I can pull it up in a, in a minute. I'm literally scrolling through. Um, but to keep on, to keep on this on pushing, so we get, see uh, Saturn also kind of make a move on, uh, well, another move on. Um, Captain Britain, Britain, or excuse me, not excuse me, the former Captain Britain, um, Captain Avalon, Brian Braddock, um, you know, after he loses, um, loses this race with a uh, red root of all people, 
<laughs> which it was that was also a kind of a funny scene because they were running through the the crooked market and you know and in true tortoise in the hair style uh you know brian got kind of cocky and it was like hey i'm ahead you know and then things started happening um and red root was like yeah. <laughs> like i'm feeling the wind even though she was being winded and all it, that was it was it was you have to read it was pretty funny in itself but um but as they pan out from the shot she was only like five steps away from him so which basically the whole thing this, this whole issue was like if you wasn't sure whether Saturnine or somebody whoever was setting things up to go a certain way this would be the issue that would pretty much confirm that by the last week I was about to say last week's issues confirmed it which is well like, there's that too but yeah I was saying, I was saying last week that uh that uh, Saturn, that, that um, the, the writers behind the story were doing an excellent job of making me absolutely detest Saturnine because of how she was um, rigging a lot of the contests. So right. um, it's definitely something that they have sought to uh, sought to stress, and they definitely had a few scenes in the three books that came out this week, the three uh, chapters of Ten of Swords that came out this week, which really cemented that as well. You know, right. uh, we'll, we'll we'll be discussing them shortly. But matter of fact, we can go to the next one because I think we've you know, X Force is pretty much. Yeah, I'm looking for Mojo uh, communication. What what book that was in? Because I definitely uh, recall seeing that. Yeah. Because it's in the the major do It's between it's communication between Major Domo, and uh, as soon as I saw Major Domo, I didn't have to keep reading. I was like, oh, this is a Mojo thing. Right. Right. And yeah, some of the stuff is going together because, you know, reading all these is these uh, issues, uh, you know, in a in in the order he's supposed to, then, you know, you kind of there are things that tend to blow together, especially with those uh, those those uh, data pages or whatnot. So uh, we will move on to Hellions number six, which is the second uh, of the three chapters for this week. And so this was kind of funny because. I almost totally forgot about this whole thing. So this is basically taken up after, let's say, some time, in, in a in a way, because the Hellions, uh, thanks to Sinister, was sent and with Sinister was sent on the mission like before uh, the the contest started in earnest, and uh, kind of find that they just reached uh, where they, well, where they were intending to go through probably a, a, a little bit of a uh, little bit more machinations of uh, for Sinister because, you know, and some things happened to him uh, on the long of the way that we don't necessarily get privy to um, or at least like, not to start, but we come to find out, you know, during the course of them, them going on that, uh, you know, things hadn't been necessarily going well for them to, up to that point. And then mm-hmm. getting to the other side to Araco uh, didn't make things any better because yeah, they meet up with some resistance. Uh, well, well, some perceived the resistance, but we come to find out that uh, Sinister, not surprisingly, has had other plans outside of the the original one that he told the council going in without giving give, giving that too much. But you know, if you know anything about Sinister and what he normally gets up to, it's not that big of a surprise. Yeah, I think. You know, he definitely had a purpose to everything that he did, in including misguiding that particular mission purposefully to give him a chance to get his hands on some new mutant genome mm. specimens, 
from Morocco, and that is ultimately his goal. I would also note that that uh, Mojo data page and communication page between Major Domo and Mojo is from the X-Force issue. It's actually um, okay. on the page after um, the race between uh, Captain Avalon and the Root Lady, um, Red Root, <laughs> gets right. hashed out. So right. It's, it's right there. So it was in the issue that we were just discussing. I completely thought it was in one of the, the later ones. Yeah, see, so Radicat com- didn't completely misremember stuff, but hey, you know. Oh, you know, <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> we could get into squir- blind squirrels and all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my but, um, But, yeah, uh, but Hellion's... Um, what's up? Something else I was gonna say about Hellions. Oh, yeah, that's right. Going off of what uh, Agent Seventy just said prior to that, that last statement about um, you know uh, what Sinister's trying to get up to, I I still feel like that. Um, and a new even get to that part where where it kind of he kind of showed his hand or it comes out rather uh, the what he was trying to do. This has some implications on the stuff that we come to find out in. Uh, uh, Hoxpox about future dealings. Right. Like this, right. this, this clearly has some implications on that stuff. Right. And also, uh, it also taps right into where they had taken the first several issues of Hellions. Right. Which is all about Sinister's prior dealings with clones of mutant genome. So, right. um, this is all relating into the internal story in Hellions, uh, despite the major crossover with Ten of Swords. Right. So, is a clever way of them weaving the, the the main story of Hellions into this crossover story and keeping keeping the main focus of the book, which is this kind of ragtag team and Mister Sinister's um, machinations, right? Uh, you know, uh, front and center uh, in this Hellions title. This hell, you know that the, there's a swerve at the end, which oh, big one. All coming, but I even while, even while I was reading it, I was just like, man, that's just that's that that's tough, <laughs> right? So yeah, to to go quickly on that one, uh, without giving too much away, the mission don't go well. <laughs> well, let me phrase that: the mission doesn't go well for it's everybody, with the exception of uh, Sinister. Yeah, to a point, it's a stated purpose to the council. What well, it was a complete and utter failure, but uh, I'm fairly certain to Sinister it was a rousing success. Right, and it's and I guess yeah, and even part that the, even the part that happens with him, you kind of saw that one coming, especially when you know when he before they left and he was talking to his other clones. So it was like, well, we knew something's going to happen there. But also, like I said, uh, it doesn't go well. There are some losses. Some of them will not be missed. Uh, I don't know if they plan on bringing those folks back. <laughs> or not, but again, they will not be missed if they don't. That's funny. Because as if, as we know, uh, anyone who dies in Araco, um well, they well, don't come back the same they, they're because of the, the resurrection protocols are messed up because of Otherworld, or not Araco, well, but in Otherworld, but regardless, they're not on Earth. Um, uh, the resurrection protocols cannot bring them back to you know, their former self as themselves, as we have seen before going into this uh, thing. So whether they come back as a different version of them, which is, um, you know, which is, could be the case or they don't come back at all, which is fine by me in a, in, in a couple of those cases. Um, and actually, uh, 
realistically in all of the cases from this week. Um, but, you know, but the most of them were coming from this book and um, Cable, and the one from Cable, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. So they won't be missed. But we do know that, yeah, there are less, there, there are losses on the uh, Krakoan side, and it wasn't anybody major. <laughs> well, at least to this point, so. Well, yeah, to this point, but we have, we only got a couple of, a couple of, so if they lose anybody at this point major, that'll be something. That'd right. be kind of crazy. Uh, I would note that uh, they do have. Well, let me phrase that, because the, the one major loss would be Captain Britain, but we right. still don't know. They- have her crossed off in 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 addition to summoner right when it comes to the champion so that is telling as to their current state right uh, and i have a theory about that part but i'm that uh that uh, that was that uh, was mentioned on twitter if you're following uh, us on twitter you kind of may have seen that may or may not have seen that um but i think i'm, I'm hoping i'm right but i don't believe i am because that'd be I, I feel like if that's something i could i could Grant, I'm not saying that I'm not stupid or smarter, but I'm like, if that's something I could suss out, then there's probably suss out that easily. Then that's, you know, there's something wrong in the writing, but not necessarily. So, I don't know. Um, anyway, but, so we can wrap up um, our discussion on the three chapters of Ten of Swords out this week with Cable number six. Which is uh, the nineteenth chapter? Mm-hmm. Swords. It's written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Phil Noto. Um, I think I neglected to mention that Hellions number six was written by Zeb Wells, with art by Carmen Carnero, um, and uh, one of the the new Stormbreakers at Marvel, and with colors by David Curiel. But getting back to Cable number six. Um, I jokingly noted that this issue actually has what we expected at the outset of this crossover story. Mm. 19 chapters in. Well, we've seen a couple of sword, you know, kind of sword play fights like um, in chapter 17 in X-Force between Storm and Death. Right. So did see that. So but this issue more so than than most of the previous chapters or let's say these last several chapters, uh, this week's issues really had what we expected um, when we were first uh, when we first read the solicitations and the advertisements for this series, which was, you know, a whole bunch of duels between people wielding swords. Uh, so you know, so we do get we do get that in this issue. Um, I would note that there is a concise list of the battles and a tally of points in this issue. So if you're looking to uh, recap where we are and how we get to the point total where we find ourselves at the end of this issue. It is nice and handy, but yeah. um, you know we get a couple of uh, decisive uh, decision. You know, the, you know, decisive um, victories <clears throat> in, uh, in this issue. You know, one of them is um, kind of surprising, but then there's also uh, an interesting. Uh, connection between um cable young cable and you know it's in, it's interesting to see the the relationship that's that that is developed between young cable uh gene gray and cyclops yeah you know uh, they they weren't kidding when uh they they listed the summer's residents on the moon as having you know all of the the summer's clan basically up there they really are 
uh, treating these characters with much more of a, a, a familial tie. Mm-hmm. It's good to see. It's definitely been good to see. Because um, the whole history there with them and that whole thing has been nothing but crazy at certain points of his X-Men history. But yeah, you, you actually kind of feel for the title character in this one because he took an L. Um, mm. um, you know, but, and when he took it out of his thing, you know, his first thought was of, um, was of Scott and, you know, and apparently you, and you bring it back to, it got, also at that point kind of brings back the point that, oh yeah, uh, like early on in this, uh, in this event, like Gene and Scott had, um, had a plan going that we never really get privy to. But apparently we're going to see that play out uh, in the next couple of issues because they're, um, cause they were some, I don't know if they, I, I assume they were still on Krakoa in, in telepathic contact and not necessarily uh, on the other side of the gate in, um, in other world by their surroundings. But, um, you know, communicating telepathically with them. Right. Uh, I would just note that Gorgon really does make an excellent showing for himself here. Oh yeah, he pretty much even the, he literally well he didn't leave he actually put him put the because at this point before this the Krakoans were majorly behind uh, thanks to whatever scoring system Saturnine um, uh, put out and as uh, Agent Seventy kind of said last week <laughs> points to 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 Slytherin or Gryffindor or whoever you know oh, yeah, she was pretty much a- she was pretty much using that system. Exactly, exactly. Five points for a masterful game of chess. Yeah. But uh but Gorkin, you know, uh you know, to his credit, even things well, he pretty much evened things out because he actually got the cocoons ahead, but then he ended up uh making things even out. And you know, again, without spoiling that um you know uh that's the thing that happens in the course of this issue. So now Going into the last uh, the, um, the last three chapters of the book, we pretty much have um, an even score of uh, which I guess it, this is not a surprise that it was going to get this way, get here some kind of way. Because mm-hmm. uh, if it kept going the way it was going, it was like, well, what's the point of this? Because you know, even in a situation where it's like, well, two games out of three, you know, you <laughs> folks would have this would have been settled up before all of that but yeah the, this whole thing kind of kept going which is actually good reading so I'm not complaining about that part but um, but now that Gorgon's uh, evened it up I guess this is going to send us into the um, the the last part of uh, this event mm-hmm. and it's interesting that you know, as we were discussing earlier next week is going to contain the finale mm-hmm. the three that that come out next week will contain all three of the last chapters of Ten of Swords. So I'm actually looking forward to, despite, and this is early warning for everyone, next week is Thanksgiving. Yes. So we will not be uh, recording Thursday evening. It's more likely than not we'll be recording Friday evening. Right. So and there will be a show next week, just not on the normal day that we record. If you're looking to catch us live, look for us on Friday. We'll make sure to tweet it out. And in terms of uh, uh, release of the audio podcast, it'll probably be around the same time over the weekend. So. Likely, yeah. But uh, in, in any event, I'm definitely looking forward to getting my books next week. That's really what I was actually getting at. Yeah, pretty much. Get the the finale to 
Ten of Swords next week. So I'm pretty jazzed about that. You know, that's something to look forward to. Um, I'm probably gonna try. I'm probably gonna try to get my books Wednesday before um, Thanksgiving, mm. just so I can have you know have them to read. Uh, you know, during the holiday. So it, it'll be fun. It'll be. I'll be glad. I'll be happy to discuss how this ends. And I know there's going to be a couple of aftermath issues. In the main X titles, I think at the very uh, least, yeah, of course, something, yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be something. Um, I was going to say that, and this is a weird thing to say because you're, you're, if if you've been paying attention to this program for any length of time, much less the last, well, last year or so, event fatigue has been a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even now, there's still some events like okay, whatever, and even with an upcoming event, that's everything's going to be bum rushing its way into uh and we'll probably be talking about that next week um a little bit more or at least in, in the the next couple of weeks regardless but but they definitely starting in the month of december for sure yeah well again yeah like I said, it's only a couple of weeks away uh but weird this is a weird thing to say i'm probably going to be sad to see this event go weirdly enough <laughs> it it seemed to go by quicker than most because we were getting three, like we said earlier. And it's we been good. Week. Right. And it's got, it's, I have to admit, just like any 22 issue story, <laughs> there's always going to be a few bumps in the road, but it actually has been very much um, an intriguing story. I'm sure I missed things here and there. There, as Roddy Cat mentioned, a lot of these issues have those Hickman-esque data pages where uh, there's lots of backstory um, filled in here. And I still regret not getting my hands on a copy of the handbook. Um, I think I think Roddy Cat ended up getting a, a, a digital copy for us. but uh, uh, Yeah, yeah it's, it's back there somewhere. I, if you need it, I can get it to you if you need, so I need it. But um, as I mentioned, I have, I have to take a closer look at that to see what I've missed. But all in all, this has been a very solid event as kind of uh, unorthodox mm. as it's been. You know, it's True. been on the orthodox side. But that's what I love about it. Because, like, and I've said this before, and I will say this again, like, it pretty much harkens back to Contest of Champions, which, you know, in a similar vein, it's like, okay, you, you would think you have things fighting, you know, you do have folks fighting, fighting amongst themselves. Uh, and sometimes in unconventional ways, in case, like sometimes it's a, it's a straight up fight, sometimes it's like a other thing. This one kind of took that and to <laughs> yeah, to just kind of took that and went with it. So, and it was a beautiful thing to kind of see, especially like I said in uh, X Force 14, you know, um, going into because at first, because again, like you know, it wasn't a hard reason to believe that okay, well, the, the gravity sailed swords, so you think sword fight but that doesn't necessarily mean that that was you know we come to find out quickly that that doesn't just because they're called the sword bearers and they have the swords that they're going to be using for that which ended up still happening like we said like we said earlier but nah. it just means that hey here you go you're the chosen champions for this contest so it's a bit it's been a beautiful thing and like i said it's, it's gonna be weird seeing it go but you know I am also glad that in that respect that it has been going as briefly as it has and has been going as well as it has. Definitely been going briskly. Yeah. Uh, it was a daunting. It was definitely a daunting idea when they said exactly how many chapters were going to be right. in this, you know, in the crossover. It was a daunting number. 
Right, because you think, right. oh, 23 chapters, oh, this is the thing that's going to go for. Like, this is probably going to last as long as the Watchmen did, which nothing's <laughs> ever going to do that. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> oh, no. And that was only 12 issues. <laughs> <laughs> we will forever be making jokes <sighs> about Watchmen. Um, uh, 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 what you call it? Yeah, uh, twelve issues took two. If you didn't know, folks, twelve issues uh, of that Watchmen series uh, took uh, Watchmen miniseries uh, from a couple of years, from twenty seventeen took two years to finally finish to to wrap up. It actually so, almost went to two plus. You know, going into the third year, and right. I lost a bet on that by a week. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah, because it did in like the week before Christmas or something like, that. or a week, uh, excuse me, week after Christmas or whatever the case would be, or no, the week of Christmas, yeah, before Christmas. Because yep. yeah, this is, you know, regardless. So oh, that boy, was right. It ended right before the New Year. <laughs> right. So that was that was kind of crazy in itself. And this being twenty two chapters, pretty much is has been done in is like in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And it's been beautiful. Uh, that being said, I'm not sure if is there anything else on Cable Six that you got. No, no, because like I said, this is this is sending us hurtling into the last three chapters. So I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to getting these books next week. So true. All right. Much next. Um, what is indeed? Well, you pick. F F number twenty six. Okay, good, good, Fantastic good. Fantastic Four number twenty six. So this is a potential click of the week for me. And it start, this issue starts off in the most wacky, you know, uh, not, not, not what you think is happening story. Um, the man thing makes an appearance. And we all know that whoever knows fear burns at the man thing's touch. And it's not what you think is happening. And they are mandated to say that every time he comes by. And, you know, it's not what you think. And everything flows from this point in the book. It's just a fun and crazy issue mm. that actually ties off a few dangling plot threads. Yeah. And keeps pulling on a bunch of other story threads to keep those story threads moving forward. But <laughs> among these dangling plot threads that get solved, I'm not going to describe exactly what happens, but it does involve this forever gate. But And it also... Um, uh, tends to further some of the more recent storylines. We definitely tie off uh, the thread about Franklin wanting to go to Krakoa and his mutant status. Yes. We tie off the situation with the future foundation being lost in space. Yeah, which li- which is one which one was like, oh right, <laughs> they're still out there. <laughs> Especially when you see. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Power and um, uh, um, uh, her uncle, right? No, dad. Oh, it's her dad. Okay, I can't. I couldn't remember because I remember it was only one of his one of her relations. Mm -hmm. So, so it's her dad and and Mr. and Mrs. Power, and and they're like, "Well, you guys came back. The Future Foundation didn't." And I'm Mm -hmm. like, "Oh, snap!" Mm -hmm. Exactly. Dealing with this. This is awesome. Um. And then it was like, okay, hey, no problem. Boop. Right. So many dangling plot threads. We even get uh, a dangling plot thread somewhat dealt with in terms of Johnny's uh, having to, Johnny Storm having to to sky about all of his past dalliances and marriages. 
Including so, one that because of the future foundation, um, you know, that comes back into play. Exactly, exactly. I forgot that she was out there with them. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't because I remember reading that from from Future Foundation. I was like, oh, okay. And then yeah, this this happens. Absolutely forgot. So um, the best part about this is that uh, the torch and sky are having not an argument, but definitely a very uh, passionate conversation. I don't know. I would go so far as to say this was probably their first big fight. Well, to, a, to an extent, like it's not a fight in the word in the word, well, it as you said, yeah, it's not that much of a fight in, in certain relations, but it is because they're kind of having a very difficult discussion about something that you know has never come right. up before. And of course, a couple rather, in, right? They're so into what they're discussing that they completely <laughs> <laughs> they completely miss what they're supposed to be doing, which is guarding Forever Gate. And what happens is that the Forever Gate. Let's in a whole mess. Right. So after the Future Foundation came back, they're apparently in there. The, got two geniuses amongst them, and they forgot to close the gate, or they forgot to turn oh, off the beacon of the gate. Right. Exactly. Well, they can't. Well, they can't close the gate, but they could turn off the beacon that they were using to bring the Future Foundation back home. Right. The beacon was keeping the gate open, right. and uh, they were they were, I guess, you know, trying to figure out how to fix that. But in the interim a bunch of uh, alien life forms decided to walk through the gate uh, in, in, uh, uh, in pursuit or drawn by the beacon that uh, Reed Richards had set up for the Future Foundation. And it turns out this is yet another story thread that is being pulled upon, not necessarily uh, being tied off, but definitely uh, Slot is pulling upon this story thread to develop you know a uh, future storyline so i really appreciated this issue right it, it actually seemed, harkens back to the beginning of this volume right it seemed to me like this was just a great uh issue where slot had you know like it, it was kind of like a, a a point in in his story where it made perfect sense to tie in a whole bunch of stories together Mm-hmm. And then have them branch out from there. And I really thought this was just a masterful stroke. Also, the art by R.B. Silva is killer. The colors by Jesus R. Abertov is killer. Um, it's just a great book to look at. I enjoyed this from beginning to end. When I looked at who they were dealing with, I was like, the who? And as hmm. Roddy Cat mentioned, this is a callback to early, early in their run. Mm-hmm. And know, granted, this, that hasn't been that like it's only been what a couple of years at this point, which right. is kind of weird to say. <laughs> You've heard me say it before. We read so many comics, it's hard to remember. Right. So I definitely will have to go back and consult those early issues and see um, what this character, um, or, you know, or everything this character was about. But I definitely, it definitely started to ring some bells, but I, I, I couldn't have. I didn't have much recall when it came to uh, the character's name, mm-hmm. but ultimately, the the presentation of this book, the storytelling, the art, great package. Um, we said that uh, uh, issue twenty five was a great jumping on point. I think that you can still jump on in this issue, and you'll still see a lot of things getting tied off 
and uh, it's definitely leading in, definitely leading into some great stories. I hope. Right, and they did say that this issue was definitely going to be the one that was going to be the turning point in things with with these characters. I know slots are coming out of his head. So this is from been saying it, and you know, and uh, you know, other 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 things have kind of been saying like, yeah, this issue is kind of the one. So it's like, well, this is going to change stuff, and sure enough, truth to truth to the word, this is kind of this is kind of where we're getting the future stories, and you know, some some things. This is where the change happens, basically. Um, I think I remember there was there was one other thing I was gonna say about this about this issue, but I can't remember what it is, so it probably doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a good read for for sure. And who knew this one gate, you know, um, you know, was was going to be the crux of <laughs> uh, of a lot of things going to vote. But oh yeah, the the one thing I was gonna just mention briefly it was just kind of a, a slight small sport, but it's a but it is one. Um, Valeria being the one who made the gate in the first place figured out in this issue, you know, how to control, how to get places in it. And uh, she had an ulterior motive herself. True. She had it, her own ulterior motive to try to use this gate. And that's another dangling plot thread mm-hmm. that gets tied off. Exactly. So, I would also, uh, you know what I wanted to ask before we moved on? What's up? Did you happen to notice of the characters that were coming through the gate, R.B. Silva's art didn't exactly highlight some of them or was that uh part of the coloring or was that part of our uh, review copy i'm gonna make me it's gonna make me pull my fist you know i honestly i looked at that group and i was like wow that's a lot of people and but i not i didn't pay that close of attention of to who or or what races uh or any familiar races because we do know let's just say that a lot of those races probably most of that, all of those races have to do with, again, going back to the beginning of this volume and uh, Franklin's uh, universe making or planet making, remaking of the planets. I'm actually referring to part of the Future Foundation, so I want to compare my physical copy to our review copy to see if these characters are in fact also shown in shade. Yeah, they're shown in silhouette. Oh, yeah, yeah, the rest of the crew, yeah. The Future Foundation are all show, are, are almost all shown in silhouette. Like, yeah. wow, we don't know what's happened to them. They're all assumed, just like the FF kids, they're assumed to have aged. So we don't actually see what Artie and Leech look like. We don't see what Onome looks like. We don't see, um, you know, we do get to see the um, the Moloid kids. Right. You know, and obviously Dragon Man's an android. Right. But, you know, it's funny that there are certain characters shown strictly in silhouette and are referred to, you know, we're supposed to know who they are by their uh, shapes and who is, you know, and the people addressing them. Well, let's see. Uh, yeah, from what I'm looking at, the only, right, the ones that are silhouetted are specifically the Powers kids, but everybody else you can kind of see relatively clear shots of. I was about to say Artie and Leech are also shaded. Well, they yeah, also- they are shaded and, yeah. Um, yeah, silhouette also and like i said um uh, uh onome is, is is in silhouette also you don't see her at all that's interesting well yeah and the one time you do see her is when she's hugged up on her on her dad which you don't right. necessarily get to see her face so yeah you're right on she's getting on um some some uh some aircraft some wakandan aircraft i assume yeah uh, or is that also see bentley clearly and right. what's funny is that um, of the characters that we do see clearly from that Future Foundation uh, series, I assume are the ones we're going to see more often in this book. 
Uh, that's what it seems like, yeah. And also, yeah, and also another character whom I don't think you read, Future Foundation, who was not originally with them, who ended up uh, coming along during the course of that book, um, is a is a character from another. Um, yep, is another from another universe who yep. happened to be in that you know in that issue. So, yeah, and they they showed this person, and uh, yeah, I guess we're going to see something with 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 them. So. You know, definitely. This is uh, as Rydicat mentioned. I, I, I forgot that. I, I don't remember seeing uh, slot say that this was going to be the issue that changes everything, or or gets the the, the, the changes rolling. Hmm. But this definitely uh, 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 an issue that that pushed storylines along. Excuse me. That you know, that's an understatement. Hmm. Maybe that's not the Wakanda craft. Maybe that's the Future Foundation craft. I'm thinking. Well, it, in any event, they're getting on this craft to you know to go to wherever it is they got to go because um, right because the they're dropping off everybody. Right, there's no room for them at Nancy Street. Right. Well, I mean, technically there is, but yeah, they're just like, no, we're just going to send all these people home and then just leave it with these other couple of people because I mean they can you know they they have all that spatial technology where they can <laughs> where they can do all that well. So te- they so they could have room, but yeah, they just want to get all these people off the board. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess it kind of also makes sense to, to bring them back because supposedly Power Pack has has got a book coming out, or should that probably should have been out by now? But you know, um, uh, thanks to Outlawed, and I don't know if that's I guess that's still happening. What's that? The Power Pack Power Pack book. Uh, I don't. Hmm. Because remember, Outlawed supposed to have them come back in the New Warriors, but we don't know the status of that stuff. Not sure. Uh, we'd have to take a look at uh, yeah. the solicitation. I mean, it's not important now, but the, 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 but the fact that you know they're now back, or at least a couple of the older members of the powers, the powers are back in the group, and I guess that you know could gets them back on the board. Yeah, right. So, but yeah, Fantastic Four Twenty Six was also is was was a pretty good read. I, I dare say, probably another uh, potential click of the week, if I dare say. Nice, nice. Um, going that. Right. That being said, uh, let us go to. Towards, um, oh, actually, you know what? As a as a slot tied to that, Immortal Hulk number forty. All right. Um, as I type this up, you did say you you did read that, right? I did read it. I will say that uh, if this is again written by Al Ewing with pencils by Joe Bennett. Inks by Rui Jose and Bellardino Bravo, and colors by Paul Mounts and Matt Miller. This is also a potential click of the week for me. Oh, nice. I would say that, ha, there is a separate Alpha Flight Station. <laughs> yes, that was so, yeah, in, past, in the past couple of episodes, we've been kind of wondering about that, especially with knowing that the peak uh, is back in play uh, in the X corner of the universe. Um, but we, I figured we had already established that by, by now. But yeah, this is. If was, we didn't already have was, confirmation, then we we have it now for certain. But I feel like we already had that confirmation before now. Yeah, so we should do, but it's just one of those things. As I said, ladies and gentlemen, we read a lot of comic books, right? So, um, so Alpha Flight's got a separate station <laughs> than the Peak, right? It, it's one of those things that definitely passes, and you know we we think that we know the information, but it's just something that um, passes under our noses. Hmm. Um, I'll note that. 
Leonard Sampson returns, but not how we expect him to. Right. We also get another return in the form of Henry Peter Skyrick. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, wow. That's a, now, granted, I, I feel like he's shown, he might have, again, this is one of those things where we realize and I'm not sure. I feel like he may have shown up in Avengers when that whole Squadron Supreme stuff um, yeah. going on. I'm not sure, but I don't, I don't know. But yeah, but regardless, that is a classic name that hasn't been seen in a minute, whether that's the case or not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure you're correct. Um, dealing with the Coulson, you know, with Coulson and that Squadron Supreme stuff over in Avengers. Right. Uh, you know, Henry Peter Gyrick, for those who don't know, is the e- eternal government bad guy. <laughs> uh, he's actually revealed as the new acting commander of Alpha Flight and Gamma Flight, which is why he's in this book. Um, we have the Joe Fixit personality taking charge, and uh, Joe uh, makes a break. For it, and we have a really cool cliffhanger at the end. I really like the pacing in this issue. I'm definitely not spoiling all the little things that happen here and some of the reveals mm. that happen here amongst the characters, which is really cool that they're actually, you know, figuring things out uh, without having to have them revealed to them, really. We, you know, especially thanks to the return of Doc Samson in right. his new form. Right. Which we knew the form was coming back, but what we didn't know how and where. But I guess you could piece it together if you think about what's been going on behind the scenes in the the, the green place or the place below, whatever it may be. You know, mm-hmm. if you was one of those smart people to be like, okay, well, this could happen. You know, <laughs> but it is still weird to see, and I'm pretty sure. Well, I, I know for a fact because I think it's been said that it's like you know, not everybody's. Well, I, I don't want to say not everybody's pleased to see the Doc Samson back in the form that he is, but I'm sure there. But there was definitely a line. It was like, uh, "Hey, that's that's not you know that's kind of crazy." You know, <laughs> not necessarily saying like that, but that's kind of like you just kind of took this form, huh? Because <laughs> it was there. But you know, again, you would have to catch up with the stuff that's been going on with uh, that character and you know, or those two characters and what's going on. So we won't necessarily spoil that either. I mean, we're 40 issues in. Uh, it's a little hard to jump on now. Yeah, and that stuff kind of came in the last 10, 15. Right. It's worth catching up. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, for anyone that has been listening to us at all, you'll know that we are fans of the Immortal Hulk run um, from Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. So it is definitely worth going back and picking this book up or reading it through Marvel Unlimited with their new you know, three-month three uh Three month turnaround on books mm-hmm. or trade paperbacks. Totally worth it for Immortal Hulk. True. Uh, at the end, of the, I would, uh, at the end of this issue, though, which was kind of funny and totally unexpected, we get the a well a potential possible rematch, but I doubt if that's going to happen. Uh, given that the, the the image from the next issue, but we yeah, don't the, know who's right. But let's just say, given given a person from that last book that we just discussed shows up in this book, um, wanting a rematch, um, because again, that also played out in uh, the aforementioned last book uh, some time ago. In fan- well, basically, I just go yeah, Fancy Four. There was a match that happened, and now this person's come back looking for a rematch. So, 
uh, that part was unexpected. I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, and lot. yes, and we do know this book is ending at uh, 50, and this is, uh, you know, this is 40, so this looks to be, there's probably going to be some some potential wrapping up, uh, coming up on some stuff going forward, mm-hmm. and knowing uh, um, uh, knowing the writer, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be leading some other stuff also. Probably, probably. Listen, this is a this is a a great book. We cannot, I cannot recommend it enough. I think Roddy Cat will second that. So True. We, you know, we we endorse this book, and we're going to be finishing this book up early in 2021. So uh, we'll see where this goes from here. But um, I am very glad that we've been on board with Immortal Hulk from uh, day one. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, that being said, we can move on to... You want to get like one more book in there and then we'll do rapid fire? Mm, sure. Let me see what you... Cause did you read this? I've not covered... We literally covered three books with Ten of Swords, so... Yeah, true. Um, I don't know. You pick... Yeah. I was wondering if you want to do something entertaining... Um, we can talk about either Juggernaut or Spider Woman. That's exactly where I was thinking. So yeah, either one of those will work fine. So I was kind of leaning towards Juggernaut, but Spider Woman oh, is. Go ahead, go ahead. You want to uh, lean towards Juggernaut? That's fine. So Juggernaut number three, and it's only for a a specific thing there's some still stuff we still don't know but regardless juggernaut number three came out this week and uh, we see kane marco on trial for a run-in with spider-man a classic run-in with spider-man right um and apparently he's just now well obviously since he spent uh you know a, a lot of time either on the run or from the law they weren't they weren't catching him so but now they finally caught up with him and this case which I figured, thought I figured there was a statute of limitations for cases like that, but and sure, there is that. And see, and that was the thing because it's like, well, wait a minute now, because if that happened so long ago, even regardless of rubber band continuity, that seemed like that was a while ago for this to become still a thing in play. But like, like Agent Seven said, rubber band continuity could could play havoc with things in this universe. Yeah. When Steve Rogers came out of the ice after 9-11. So, you know, it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. But, Tough. Tough. but, um, but yeah, so Kane's Marco's on trial. And I don't know, you, maybe you have heard this name in, in, a, in a while, but uh, he is defended by a name that I haven't heard in a good while. Uh, we will talk about her as one of the past love interests of one Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Who- Speaking of, exactly. Uh, one Bernie Rosenthal, and I was like, "Dang, I hadn't heard that name in a while." So yeah, yep. you know, so Marvel could continue to kind of pull out these uh these um these deep cuts. <laughs> this is on us in, nice. in their on their uh in their in their 80th anniversary year. But um, regardless, the trial goes on and then gets interrupted. D cells over there doing her her live streaming thing. With that part, kind of irks me because of YouTube. You know, YouTubers and the whole thing. But by the way, we're live on YouTube now, so hi. Um, it's, it's out in New York State courts. 
<laughs> you, what'd you say? It's not allowed in New York State courts. I wouldn't think that would be allowed in any courts, and that's what I was going to because even because and it, that was even asked, you, you know, when when we saw that coming. So that's that's a whole thing. But and of course, details like you know using some statute that she nece- doesn't necessarily have a privy to, but claims to be press. But you know, you need to have press credentials to do that. Exactly. Right? So and permit from the court to do that. So that's exactly. a double. Neither answer, of which she probably had. Right. Uh, one of the things I would note, though, is that we find out what Kane Marco did to reinvent himself yes. after he was initially depowered by magic of the X-Men in the Rosenberg X-Men run. Mm-hmm. So it was it was interesting to see that it's it's still related to what he you know, to his former power source. Right. So, yeah, we see. So we definitely see that. And now I'm just going to go ahead and say this because uh, there is uh, something in the news section. I don't think of it this way, the way they did. Um, but, you know, classically, we've seen Kane Marco and we've pretty much always have seen him in the armor. We've never necessarily seen him that many times out of the armor unless, you know, except for that one time with She-Hulk in the bed. But and, and probably a couple other times. But regardless, um um, you know, he basically now with this new armor can, I guess, will it to him, will it onto him. Right. Um, and, uh, there's an article out there basically calling that a weakness. And I'm not sure if that's actually correct, but again, you know, th- this is theorizing. They're theorizing and we don't know for certain because yeah, like, it's so premature. Right. To- it that because we we're literally just finding out now that I think it's understood that he's not as powerful as he used to be. Right. I think it's understood, but at the same time, we're still learning a lot about, you know, since we now know what the origin of his uh his reinvented powers are. Right. It's interesting to see what the limits of it are. You know what I mean? Like right. uh his former limits were fairly well known and 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 what he could do was fairly well known. Uh, prior to this, with you know uh, him previously being powered by the um, the the gem of Sidorak, right? Oh, but at the same time, like knowing what we know about Kane Marco, when he does not have the power, and we've seen this even in this issue, he is way he's pretty much Banner to Hulk in in size and in, in stature and all that kind of good mess. So because we see him in his, you know, big bulky form at the beginning of this, even without his armor, I I feel like some of that is still at play. He just armored up, you know? Right. So I I can't necessarily call that a weakness when he's still big and bulky and he doesn't know. It'd be a different story if he did a Hulk, She-Hulk type change and, you know, grew and, you know, bulked up. So I'm not sure that doesn't seem like much of an uh, of a weakness, but that is just me picking on an article that you know just like and and also we can you know bypass that when we get to the point in the news. Um, uh, outside of that, so we get the, like I said, the, the trial is uh, is interrupted by I vaguely remember this character honestly. Uh, a I called her in my notes, Lady Sandman. Um, at first, but I I did know this this person's name was Quicksand, who apparently um, was after D Cell, mm-hmm. 
which I, I, you one would question, well, how did she know it was there? Well, obviously, she's live streaming a thing, so that's pretty much no. But we come to find out that uh, Quicksand is after a detail. So Juggernaut is fighting her along with, uh, you know, uh, um, detail with a little bit of help at the end. They kind of figure that out, and then and they go to figure out, uh, you know, what why, I guess, what caused Quicksand to, or what and or who cause quicksand to want to go after him but we don't what we don't know is the why which i guess we will find out in the next couple of issues because uh there's only like what two issues left in this miniseries and we don't necessarily know where it was going or what was even the the other purpose of this mm-hmm. uh miniseries but it's been enjoyable regardless um uh that being said, and this uh, matter of fact, hell, going back to another Captain America thing, we come to find out that um, the person that was behind the attack is a classic, uh, is another classic uh, Captain America villain, right? Which is, you know, that's funny. That can't be a coincidence that we have two Captain America, you know, um, um, uh, side characters or, or characters coming into this like that can't be that much of a coincidence that's funny um also there was a reference to bull durham which i'm like i don't know if any any young person nowadays would even know that movie uh much less the person who mentions it that being d cell in this uh in this issue but that's just me being an old person that's funny so but yeah that's so that's uh pretty much uh juggernaut number three in, in a nutshell um it was good. It, it was kind of good. Like I said, the, the the references aside, and I mean not even aside, but the, you know the, the references and all that, and the action, and you know what we come to find out. Um, and of course, there's some damage control in there because which I always love. But these two people, you know, yeah. it is what it is. It's entertaining. It you definitely know, is. It'll be entertaining, but it is. So. Yeah. Oh, and that that court case gets settled um, during the course of this. Um, without giving what the case was, uh, was was or part of what the case was about, but that kind of gets settled in. And as I'm saying, my notes: uh, lemons given, lemonade made. <laughs> and you know what? The uh, you know the the Garney art. It's definitely his newer style, mm-hmm. but it's dynamic. His art is always dynamic, yeah. so it's definitely fun to look at. It's very fast paced. You know, uh, Nitsieza. His story, you know, definitely has some witty banter in it, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's definitely fun. Uh, anything else before we get to rapid fire? No, I think that's it. All right. I'll spin it up and we will cover these books. Rapid old fire, cuz. I don't know. I, mean, I should stop saying that, but I probably won't for a minute. Um, I, you go, you go. I was about to say, we have a lot of issues in common. Um, That's true. Amazing Spider-Man number 53, written by Nick Spencer, with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell, and colors by Edgar Delgado. Coming off the cliffhanger from last issue, we see that Kindred is putting Peter Parker through a walk through a walk down memory lane, which ends in a big reveal for Kindred to Peter. Uh, we also get a glimpse of Normie Osborne and Liz Allen, but that's pretty much what we get in this issue. Well, yeah, and that reveal, and I don't know if it was the art or that was intentional, because I mean, obviously, you know, we know who it is and we know whose son he is, 
Right. But that reveal at the end was like, well, wait, is that really a, a gotcha? Or is that like them playing with the fact that those two characters are that similar? Or is this another kind of a more than likely a, a trick by uh, Kindred to obfuscate some things? Because mm-hmm. I mean, cause it's not like the reveal didn't happen, but the re- but when he unmasked him, when Kendra unmasked himself at the end, I'm like, huh, what really? <laughs> so, but well, I guess we'll find out in either the um, likely LR issue that's coming up or the next issue proper. Right, 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 right. Next up is Batman number one hundred three, written by James Tinney in the fourth, with art by Carlo Pagulayan, Danny Mickey, and Gillum March or Guillaume March, uh, with colors by David Barron. Uh, the ghost maker of the new character and Batman continue their physical and philosophical duel with Harley and the clown hunter in the mix. Uh, next up is Captain America number 25. There's two parts to this book, and I make that uh, distinction for a reason. The first story is written by ta Coates, with art by Leonard Kirk and colors by Matt Miller, Sharon Carter and Cap move to rescue the Daughters of Liberty and Thunderbolt Ross in Madripoor. But the Red Skull and Alexa Lucan, revealed to have had a long-standing relationship with the Daughters, counter. The backup story, though, is written by uh, Anthony Falcone with an art by Michael Cho. And it is truly a reaffirming story. Not just for fans of Cap, but for Americans. Of course, it is written by a Canadian. Big, heavy sigh. This is the backup story is actually a click of the week for me, but um, I don't think we can do that. It has to be, I think, an issue. So I'm going to give um, a shout out. Sure, I guess. Exactly. I'm going to make this an honorable mention. Um, Dark Knights. You thought this wasn't going to come back, but it is Dark Knights Death Metal number five. Excellent! Written by Scott Snyder, pencils by Greg Capullo, inked by Jonathan Glapian. Honestly, I read these issues quickly to see where they're going. But Roddy Cat would be happy because Wonder Woman has taken the lead throughout this story. So my only note to Roddy Cat is... Obviously, a lot of the filler material and the the the, uh, the padding of the story and the the various uh, crossovers into Justice League and into all these crazy one shots. Yeah, they do relate back to this main story in this issue, actually. But I would say that you could probably ignore all that stuff if you just want to see Wonder Woman really um, take the reins. Uh, I would ask you to, you know, take a take a take a look at these issues. Just the limited series. Mm. I mean, that's not a surprise. Like I said before, before this uh, event happened, even just League proper, she had kind of been taking field field lead of um, of the thing in the last couple of arcs. So yeah, that's not that big of a surprise. I didn't think they were actually going that way because supposedly like. Green Green Lantern is the lead, but like I said, when they get out there, she's it's kind of like a uh, Cap situation, Captain America situation, where she's kind of just takes takes the thing. But yeah, ever since that last couple of arcs, she's kind of been yeah. mm-hmm. doing the thing. So she's taking the lead in the sense that she is the center of the the focus of the story. Um, cool. 
the last thing I have is Spider Woman number six. I think we both read this also. Yep. It's written by Carla Pacheco with art by Perry Perez. Uh, Frank uh, Frank Darmada has colors. Uh, the story of diving further into Jessica's past continues, and the act the the side effects of the serum that she's taking to stay alive prove to be uh, the side effects prove to be very uh, pr- uh, prove to have comical uh, effect in the story. Yeah. But the, the funny part about it, though, is like, OK, knowing what we know about Jess, regardless, like it's not like this is that far out of the realm of her temperament wise, like not not to this extent. Right. But her temperament can kind of already, you know, can be a thing. So it was like this is not that much of a of a stretch that the that the serum she's taking is, is enhancing that part as well as her strength. Yeah, it's been a good read, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that's it for you? That is it. Because I don't, I don't think there was anything else um, to say about that outside of... Oh, yeah, there was a re- Indiana Jones reference. In space! Oh, yes. It belongs! <laughs> <laughs> I got a kick out of that. That was pretty good. But, yeah, they're, 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 they're thing to hope to find High Evolutionary, which I have no idea where he's been in the last few years. Right, which is kind of what, 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 which is kind of what puts me off of this story a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to see where this goes because I'm willing to learn about Jessica Drew's history. Right. Um, aside from you know going into, you know the 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 ham the Ohatmu and, and and looking at some of the previous issues that they might cite, um, I'm kind of curious to see how this is all wrapped, you know, how this is all tied together. Right, and uh, as a couple of books have um, are doing this week and just in general uh the end of this book sees her running into king and black right which made me groan so yeah but also uh there's in the letters page with there's some if you i don't even know if they teach this in uh in, in elementary middle school science anymore but uh there's a, some certain squares i think they're called punnett squares uh that uh, used to teach about like genealogy and, and you know having to do with like uh you know well you get this traits from well not this but DNA rather but you get this trait from this friend this friend this friend, blah, 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 in a square form you 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 know what I'm talking about that kind of comes up in the letters page and I was like I hadn't seen that in so long that's kind of weird yep like, <laughs> that uh, has nothing I, to do well it has less to do with this issue but the fact that but it does kind of have something to do with what's been going on with Jessica and, mm. you know the thing. It's like, part of. I was about to say it's part of the whole. Uh, it's part of the whole storyline involved with the serum. Mm-hmm. So, and somebody asked the question as why it didn't affect you know certain. You know, why is it not affecting certain members of Reverend than others? And that gets explained, but that's the whole thing. Uh, anyway, that's that. So you're finished, and we're going to go to mine, which starting off with. Teen Titans number 47. This is the last issue of the series for now because we do know future states coming up. And in fact, uh, at the end of this issue, this uh, they pretty much lead us down that road because, um, you know, they've been going on the last couple of issues trying to wrap up uh, and recapture all of the the escape people that they had and captured and did things and trying to atone for what they've, uh, you know, what. Damien's been doing with them. Damien and them have been doing with them 
uh, in previous arcs, and Damien's nowhere around anymore because he gave up Robin. You know, it's, it's a whole thing. But so the, the last person they finally caught up with them, and they got another note from Damien, which led them to Nightwing, which is basically leading them them into Future State, but not before going into the, another event that is coming up next month. Uh, this endless uh, winter thing that DC's got going on. So, like I said, so that's ending. They'll be in in an endless state for, I guess, a one shot. I'm not even sure, but um, according to the 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 checklist at the back of the book, and then going into future state with um uh, with basically a Teen Titans Academy from what we've seen in from the solicits and news from uh, uh DC's, you know, from DC Future State. Which, by the way, I guess I'll go ahead and so far as to say is that uh, solicits are out for February. But we'll be talking probably about some stuff in a few minutes of, on that front. Um, Widowmaker, Red Guardian, and Yelona Belova number one. So um, I don't know if y'all folks know this, but uh, Black Widow's got a movie coming out. True story. MCU. Yeah, that's right. Um, but she's going to have a movie, and these two characters that I just mentioned are going to be in it. So this is this is pretty much why this book exists more than likely than not. Um, but what starts off as a um, well, one the 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 narrative language of this book was kind of weird because we know Yelena Belova is Russian, and the you know you see some internal monologue with her in English Russian in Russian English I should say, um, which in a couple of cases slightly off-putting but you know I get it she's Russian and yes yeah, so so sure that kind of English it's going to be the classic you know if you've ever seen a, a person doing an English or, or a Russian doing an accent or whatever it gets me it's kind of talks like that um but regardless what in what started off to be in a retrieval ended up being a training mission um for some experience in an old shield prison and a breakout for one of the title characters of the book. Um, and apparently red guardian is now captain boomerang. And, uh, at, uh, the end of this, uh, uh, issue, Yelena's got a new mission, which, uh, as they say, after that, uh, probably goes somewhat into what's going on in the pages of, well, actually it doesn't really go on, with what's going on in the pages of Black Widow, but they basically said, hey, you want to see more of her? She's over there, which she has been. Uh, Swordmaster number 12. Uh, we find just, out how... In just for a, a quick second, note that the uh, Yelena, the Widowmaker Yelena Belova in Red Guardian book is the story is by Devin Grayson. It's yes. nice to see her. Um, Who actually uh, made the character of Yelena, I believe. Yelena. I'm not sure, but I think uh, it said that. Yeah, or I saw something that might have said that. That's cool. That's cool. I was gonna say that. That's it. it uh, welcome back. I know that she's uh, had some stories um, dipping her toe back into Marvel Comics recently. So glad to see her back in the game. Right. Cool. Um, but Swordmaster number twelve, which is the last issue of this book, I believe, for if not for a while, then just in general, it's kind of like the uh, the Arrow thing. Uh, we find out how Chiyo, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, so I apologize if I'm butchering it. Uh, so it might be Chiyu or Chiyo. Uh, the, basically, the, the god of war um, 
was originally improved. We found out how that happened, and we found out uh, the involvement of uh, Lin Lai's dad and brother's involvement with that, with with more specifically the his uh, escape. Um, but Lin sets off to deal with uh, Chiyu, but first he needs to get some cha- training by uh, the young lady who he's been um, who's been who came to get him in the first few uh, shrink drawing. Uh, and again, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce that either, but my apologies if I'm butchering that because I don't mean to do that. Uh, meanwhile, Lynn's brother is making his way to see him only to be stopped by the book ending and some magical trees. And of course, uh, at the end of this, you see the whole thing that says, hey, you want to see more Swordmaster? Uh, read Atlantis Attacks, which is also about to end next issue and go into Kingdom Black. Which is both, which is about to do that same thing. So yeah, uh, let's see what's next. Uh, last but not least, Marvel Voices Indigenous Voices Number One. So um, we're in the first Marvel Voices anthology. Um, had like you know stories and some written text and all kinds of stuff, ranging from a, a, a lot of voices that we don't necessarily get to hear from and some that we do. This one is kind of focusing on um, indigenous characters, uh, you know, Native American, such as like, uh, in this particular issue, we have forward short, short stories with uh, like Echo, Danny Moonstar. Um, oh, shoot. I forgot who else was in this book. Um, but And a couple other people, but regardless, uh, have... Um, stories in this uh at the end of front i'm not sure if this is going i think it seems like they're the way it sounds like it's set up there's probably going to be because they set it up to where there's like at least good 20 12 to 24 uh uh names that they put in the front of the book that the uh, was talking about so this might be um issue one of a couple i'm not entirely sure um, so we may end up seeing some more stories from some of these other characters that were mentioned at the front of this book, um, uh, which would be cool. But it's a, it's an interesting read. Just check it out. The 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 first story, the one with Echo, um, has to do with her fighting some Badoon god or something like that. I can't remember that Loki put her up to some. The, I just out the blue again, you know, it was, it was kind of weird, but she's also in a moment where she's trying to figure out something for herself and the whole, and you know, the Danny Moonstar is her and rain, uh, going after a young, um, native American, uh, uh, mutant who's been troubled, um, recently, both are pretty good, decent stories. And the, the, the couple of other ones that are in here are, are, are all right as, as well. But you know, if you're interested in such a thing, you should check that out. Uh, I think there's an afterward by uh, Tabu of the Black Eyed Peas who was writing that uh, the, um, uh, Werewolf by Night book. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so you can check that out. It's important to always remember representation matters. Absolutely, absolutely, and I believe the stories in this book are also written by um, uh, uh, people of Native American heritage, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe art too. I'm not sure about the art in certain certain cases, but yeah. So definitely check it out. And that is where we bring us to clicks of the week. 
and this week we did not get anything from our um, from our other co-hosts. Um, guess they're busy. I don't know. Um, but I'm probably just going to strongly go ahead and say if it wasn't apparent by now, X Force number fourteen for mine. So Listen, yeah, I, I think that's like that's pretty much what's going to be. That was a good, good issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Fantastic Four number 26. I think I had the absolute most fun this week reading. It was just, you know, from beginning to end, just lots of, you know, it was, it, it, it just reminded me of one of those books that just had a million things going on, but it was so satisfying. You know, it was just satisfying to see all these little storylines getting taken care of, but also, you know, uh, causing new stories to spring up uh, from 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 their ending. So it was pretty cool. True, true, absolutely true. Cool. And on that note, we will move on to the news. But first, an ad read. All right, our our first ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now, the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, Go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the fun code link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funco through cspn.us, do it today! Uh, Disney Plus's She-Hulk gets a perfect working title, which I uh, was going to bring up to to 70 at the end of last week because I was wanted to see if maybe they were filming somewhere around here, him. Um, but I guess according to Production Weekly, the working title for She-Hulk is Libra, a reference to the scale in both the eponymous Zodiac sign and the basis for its mark, the scales of justice. Uh, this title fits to show as it is, as it has a connection to She-Hulk's profession as a lawyer. It may also indicate that the Jay Giants' occupation could play a, a large part of the series. Uh, a similar case happened with Ms. Marvel with, you know, the working title for that one being Jersey. So, uh, yeah, cool. I mean, the most you could hope for in this um in 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 this show well one confirmation of who the, the who's gonna play her um and two that yeah they absolutely do use some you know they actually do dip into her her lawyering stuff and or go into slots run, which is kind of it's kind of silly, but I doubt if it'll go that far. Or oh, and a couple of other people who's kind of you know you know, and I don't know if we're gonna get fourth wall breaking She Hulk, but you know I kind of doubt that. But we could. We'll see. Next up, 
All righty. Uh, the Hawkeye directors, the directors of the Hawkeye uh, Disney Plus show, may, might have confirmed Haley Steinfeld is in the series. Um, Hawkeye set for his own Disney Plus spinoff, you know, joining the likes of WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Kate Bishop, his protege in the comics, is most likely uh, set to appear, and rumors have been swirling that Haley Steinfeld could be portraying the character. Now, thanks to directors Bert and Bertie, who are set to helm some episodes of the series, we might have gotten our best indication yet that Steinfeld will be in the series. The director duo recently followed Renner and Steinfeld on Instagram, which might seem like nothing important, but does give some credence to the speculation with Mm. multiple outlets picking up on the story. No, that still seems like nothing. I mean... Let's be honest here. Just because you follow somebody on Instagram, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to work with them. Hell, if that's the case, never mind. I was about to say, I've got deals with a lot of uh, Hollywood people. <laughs> well, I don't have Hollywood, but there's some definite, there's some people in the past that, that are doing some things that, if that were the case, <laughs> what I guess means something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's, it sometimes when you you're looking at these articles, like you know what is this actually news or is this actually like something that's not? And yeah, this kind of was one of those that kind of seems not. But regardless, just in case it is, it's here. Next up, though, uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I guess speaking of a similar thing, the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, star Sebastian Stan shares not safe for work rant about Loki actor Tom Hiddleston. Uh, this doesn't seem as bad as what you think it is though uh whatever you do don't plaster sebastian stan's trailer with photos of tom hiddleston uh as evidenced by a not safe for work rant uh, the falcon and winter soldier star posted on thursday he doesn't take kindly when others allow the lucky star to take over his trailer in the form of printed photographs <laughs> the, the video takes place immediately after the mcu superstar gets back to his trailer on set only to find that it's full of dozens of pictures of Hiddleston, someone set, or someone on set, printed off to tape around Stan's trailer. Um, my money's on Anthony Mackie, but who, who knows? Uh, I would have started, quote, this is a quote, uh, I have, would have started to film before I opened the door if I had known what was going on walking into. I guess this is from his Instagram video. And then he just kind of goes off on that uh, uh, you know, a little random film, which you can get to in the article uh, provided in the show notes. Next. All right. Uh, in an interview with Argentine newspaper Clarin, or Clarin, reported on in English by Deadline, executive producer Victoria Alonso stated that Marvel Studios would not be using any sort of technology to recreate Chadwick Boseman within Black Panther 2. There's only Chadwick, and he's no longer with us. Alonzo says, sadly, our king has died in real life, not only in fiction, and we're taking a little time to see how we continue the story and how to honor this chapter of what has unexpectedly happened to us. So painful and terrible, to be honest. She continued praising the actor on a personal level. Chadwick wasn't only a wonderful human being. Every day of the five years we spent together, but also she believes that what he did as a character elevated us as a company and has left his moment on history. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of good that they're not going the digital route, but at the same time, it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. 
depending on how they handle it, it, it would probably go to some use, but it's, again, probably just as well. Next up, though, uh, John B. Boyega re- responds to James Bond fan and Letitia Wright casting su- uh, select- suggestions. So, let's see. Uh, Black Panther star Letitia Wright thinks Star Wars actor John Boyega would make a great James Bond. Okay, sure. Uh, when asked about it, the Rise of Skywalker lead said that he would be more than open to doing the idea if Steve McQueen uh, is directing and I saw this one like, wait, Steve McQueen is dead, but this is not the same Steve McQueen. Yeah. Say <laughs> that confused me the first time I saw his name too. It, you know, yeah, exactly. So apparently, there's—I don't know if this is actually any relation to said actor, but uh, but apparently there's a person that's an, a director named Steve McQueen. Uh, but he said, "Hey, listen, uh, with Steve McQueen directing, let's do this. We could show them something different. We could still bring that sophistication." You know, James Bond has to be James Bond, but we could do something with that. So that's the thing that maybe I don't know if if it was allowed to happen, maybe it could happen. Who knows? Uh, next up, though, uh, the Mandalorian actress Ming-Na Wen, who we know as the cavalry from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. Um, Amongst other things. Exactly. Uh, encouraged fans to petition to bring back her gunslinging character in future episodes of the show. Uh when appeared in the first season's fifth episode as Fennec Shand, Mando joined forces with uh, Toro Calican, played by Jake Cannavale, to capture Shand so that Calican could join the guild. Things did not go according to plan, and the three bounty hunters ended up facing off with each other on Tatooine. So, um, uh, Calican actually shoots uh, Shand and attempts to take the bounty on Mando, and the child for himself. Wen's character was left in a dire position with a blaster shot to the stomach in the middle of the desert. That was the last appearance of Fennec Shane, despite the fact that the show has returned to Tatooine since. And it was also teased that uh, it was Boba Fett who uh, came up on her um, at the end of that show, if I'm not mistaken. That is, that was one theory. There was, yeah, because was there, there, there was like, it was either him or the uh, the sheriff guy from from the theory that I heard from the first episode of the second season, um, and yeah, as we know anything from the Star Wars universe, like people have come back from worse, um, <laughs> from from worse. I mean, you get cut in half. You, you would think that would be a little more final, and yet a character comes back from that. So being shot in the stomach could, you know, and also being found at the case, you know, we don't we still don't know. So could actually bring her back. We'll see. How that works out. Petitions still are what it was, but I would love to see her back. Um, We don't necessarily have any... I think this is pretty much the only Mandalorian-related news outside of some uh, some Baby Yoda stuff. uh, A Baby Yoda thing, but that has to do with the toy. So I don't know if you want to... Oh, you want to talk about episode three? Sure. All right, so spoiler bell is ringing, even though it has been a week and we're about to get episode four in several hours. But I'm still going to ring it because I know that people appreciate not being spoiled. So here comes the spoiler bell for Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, in 3, 2, 1. So yeah, were you giddy um, uh, uh, throughout this show, especially after um, the, the shock of the uh, the Quarren uh, jerk faces kicking 
uh, Baby Yoda into the the mouth of whatever that was. I was like, "Yo!" Yeah, I was like, "What the hell? That was not cool." Damn quarant. Um <laughs> But but yeah, so the crux of it was we find the the, the you know after the last episode, the, uh, you know uh, the the Mandalorian with the the frog lady and her brood and Baby Yoda, and they're heading to the the next planet in the system, going to find her her um, you know to reunite her with her husband, beloved soulmate whatever whoever it is so Which that happens in huh actually happens yes with and that happens in, in this episode uh, i actually didn't think it was going to happen yeah i wasn't too sure if they were going to actually do that now, but i didn't it didn't seem like something they were just going to linger on but you know but the way the show sometimes goes it's like now nah, they're probably sending them off on something else before before they actually read that but no nah, it didn't happen it's just like here you go <laughs> we're here i was about to say what i love is that um Especially in the binge mode Facebook group, I think I saw um, a meme. You know, get you someone that looks at you like um, like the frog, the, the frog lady, and the frog man look at each other. It was you know? very adorable. It was quite adorable. <laughs> it was, yeah, I admit it. Looks like oh, look at him. You know, they're so happy. Yeah, like Baby Yoda didn't need any more eggs. In fact, uh, at one part <laughs> uh, before the Mandalorian goes to do the part we'll talk about in a second, you know. Uh, he the, the Mandalorian leaves Baby Yoda with the frog people, which you know potentially could have been a problem. But but the uh, Mandalorian's like, you know what I'm talking about. Don't don't act up. Yep. So yep. it was pretty good. Yeah. So it was funny that the frog people, the frog couple, got got uh, became uh, babysitters right. for a child while uh, Mando is um, is off um, on a mission. Uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy, uh, getting back to the the, the the thing with the quorum because you knew something was up the way they they were stupidly laughing. Yeah, because because especially in a situation like that, it was like okay, like oh, well yeah. So first he, they, they, when they get there and they all meet and all that comes up and the Mandalorian is like you know hey I need to you told me you'd find out you know you told me who could find my, help me find my people then they go into this bar. And you know, and which meets up with a, a Quran who meets up with another Quran who's like, yeah, I can, I can get you there. And then he ends up on his boat. Uh, and then that's when this scene happens that we're, we're talking, we're referring to, where you know the the Quarans, uh basically use uh, use Baby Yoda as literal bait <laughs> food for this thing that they caught and they were trying to feed. And I was like, well, that's kind of messed up. And they got what they deserved. They absolutely did because of the intervention. Right. Because so the Mandalorian went in after after the uh, after the child, obviously. And then the Corrin had uh, notions of trying to get the Beskar armor off of him after the thing eats him. Whatever the thing eats him. I was like, wait, is this a... uh, um, 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 Actually, I don't know. It would seemed like it was a um a a, a high qua- uh, um an aquatic version of a of a, um sarlacc let's put it that way that's what it seemed like i don't know what that thing actually is they called it by name for something but i don't remember what it is regardless regardless but you know it's you know, just think of it as a, as a water sarlacc <laughs> uh which more like it probably is i never i didn't look it up but regardless they get their come up and when the in the adventure of Three, not just one, three. Not, huh? 
I said not two. Yeah, not two, but three folks in Mandalorian armor, one of which, uh, if you have uh, been watching uh, the Clone Wars, and I guess she did show up in Rebels 2 at some point. I think. I don't remember if she actually did. Regardless, Clone Wars won Bo-Katan. Oh my goodness. Which we knew was coming. Which we, you know, we, we, we knew was a thing that was coming, but we get a live action Bo-Katan voiced, I mean, played and voiced by this person who voiced them in uh, it, in, in it, Clone Wars 1. Coming. Yeah, it's what? one coming to actually see them though. Right. It's still it's still a thrill. It's, it was kind of a trip because I was like, wow, I don't believe this. So, yes, it's Katie Sackhoff, a.k.a. Starbuck from, from the BS, from BSG um, reboot, the Black Battlestar Galactica reboot, is the voice of, uh, is the voice and the face of Bo-Katan. And she and a couple of other um, Mandalorian armored people uh, show up. And actually, well, one of the other ones is wrestler Sasha Banks, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other dude... I have seen him before, and and it and it took me a second to realize it. But he and someone else that shows up in that this episode are from Agents of Shield, who who are in, in Agents of Shield, and that's when that because the the Imperial Captain, he was also in Agents of Shield, is where I remember seeing. Him, but I feel like I've seen him in some other stuff. But he's kind of had that face of like, yeah, he looks like he's a villain. It's that guy, yeah, yes. he's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about the captain. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the episode again for the uh, the look uh, the look of the third Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, you know, news that Sasha Banks was gonna be yes. on the Mandalorian. So yeah, seeing her face clearly this time, she was under the robe, if I'm not mistaken. No, that um, wasn't. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. I guess I was her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think her on the docks. Yeah, because I thought that was somebody else for a second. But I was like, well, wait, no, that's her. But then that shows up later. So I was thinking that was two different characters. And apparently it was not. The reason why I look closely at that face is because uh, if you recall, uh, oh, no, you haven't watched the, the new add-on episodes of The Clone Wars, have you? No, I haven't seen season seven yet, no. Uh, and I know Bo-Katan shows up there, though. Yeah, I was about to say, um, and it's a minor spoiler, but there are Mandalorians that show up that are that are robed like that, like hidden sure. in, in, in sight. Gotcha. Um, you know, in, in public like okay. that. So that right. made me look twice. Um, but um, we are, we are, we are uh, burying the lead in a sense because um, we definitely knew that Bo-Katan was going to be appearing because it's, it was no secret. Hmm. Uh, it was just a matter of when. But as I said earlier... It was no less thrilling to see it happen, to see her take her helmet off and to see the look be so accurate because obviously it's the same, as you said, it's the same voice character. It's the voice mm-hmm. actor. It's the yep. same voice actor. They they, they, they they set up her hair to look just like it did. Um, I know that some people online were like, she should be like 60-something years old. You know, she should be significantly older. But mm-hmm. as we know... Um, some characters age differently than others. Some races and and, and, and species age right. differently than others in the Star Wars universe. So, it's hard to quibble with that. Right. But uh, what Bo-Katan tells, um, well, before I get to that part, Bo-Katan enlists Mando in um, in efforts to uh, hijack Imperial weapons. And um, there's lots of things 
um, revealed here, including that um, Bo-Katan is looking for one Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. and we know why, if you know what um, Moff Gideon was wielding at the end of episode, uh, uh, at the end of season one. Yep, yep. Who, yeah, Moff Gideon shows up briefly, um, you know, uh, for, for, for in, a, in a hollow vid, you know, talking to the Imperial character that we were talking about, but, you know, so, but there'll be more on that uh, uh, when we get to that point. But the big thing we come to find like out... I said, we're still burying the lead. <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah, so they're, so they're on this mission, and, and the Mandalorian... Well, first of all, the one thing we forgot to mention, that in the first meeting of uh, the Mandalorian and, and Bo-Katan, you know, when she takes off his helmet, so we come to find out that, you know, because he was a foundling and he was raised... We find out that he was raised by this sect who you know, we're worshiping the old ways of Mandalorians. And we've seen, and if you've seen Clone Wars, you've seen, you know, some of that kind of play out also, because there are some Mandalorians who believe that the old ways should still be intact and that kind of other. Now, there was also no mention of Death Watch, which Bo-Katan was also a part of for a moment, but the Mandalorian probably wouldn't know that because he, apparently he would, if he had known this, who this character was in the history, then, you know, he would have kind of known some things. That's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. Um... Maybe she goes. Well, I mean, they don't say Death Watch, but they say Child of the Watch, right? So, the, in a sense, they are mentioning it. So, what I would say is, I you guess know, that's true. It's probably likely that um, you know his him you know like his status as a foundling probably puts you know puts him younger than she is. So, right, if, you know, or maybe even a lot younger than. But she that's is. definitely true. Yeah. So uh, there's a good chance that she may have broken away from Death Watch um, long before he became a foundling. So, well, no, that's sort of it. Because I mean, even in like the the, I want to say she so Nangrata, that's why he doesn't recognize her. Right, like even before, like she, you know, when you first meet her in Clone Wars, she, she's a part of Death Watch, but then that ends up changing because of you know what right. happened and we you know we see and i don't know what happens in season seven yet but regardless i think even by by the time season seven happens i think she was no longer with death watch anyway right uh and and after you know spoiler alert her sister died which by the way if you don't know who poker Bo- is, is uh is she is the sister of satine Kreese, who was the ruler of mandalore or yeah um i forget because you know mandalore is not not necessarily a race but um obi-wan kenobi Yes, and yes, and yes, that was a thought. I still ship uh, him and, um, actually, you know, I, I, I would, you know, that's a whole other thing we didn't know what to worry about. I kind of still ship him and, um, and, um, Ventress, but them two were all right. <laughs> but he and Satine were a thing and sadly didn't end up being, being a thing that much longer after Clone Wars, a certain part of, which actually now that I think about it in my Clone Wars rewatch, I am just at, and I kind of hate that part. So that's why it's been taking me so long to kind of get through it <laughs> because I, because, because I know what's going to happen is like, God damn it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate this. Part of me wants to go back because, you know, no, in anticipation of the next episode of the Mandalorian makes me want to go back and watch, those uh, episodes of the Clone Wars now, where uh, where Bo-Katan is, is prominent, and obviously when when Satine is still here, so still right. around. Yeah, but anyway, back so back to the Mandalorian. So they meet, and you know, because of he was brought up a certain way, he's like, "Hey, you you took off your helmet, and what the hell's going on?" And blah blah. blah. So, you know, 
it things like, and that's when we find out that like, he's a child of the watch, and you know they were again Jesus is a part of you know the, the the sect that we talked about previously. So of course he wasn't really down with these folks, and he left after you know retrieving uh, Baby Yoda. Uh, but you know they come back into play again uh, a couple minutes later with you know dealing with a, another group of Korians related to the the first ones. He gets uh, saved twice by them. Exactly. So and then this, this kind of sets off them going on the mission to to to, uh, to uh, get these weapons that uh, that Agent Seventy was talking about. So they go on this mission, which kind of goes off without a hitch, but not without you know the the Empire trying to trying to do its best, including one pretty pretty stupid but funny scene where it's like. Uh, the the dude is like, hey, we got him trapped in the in this control area, and the and the Imperial captain's like, where? <laughs> and in the thing, <laughs> and then they get they get yeah, something has something happens to them. Which again, if you haven't watched it, you know, I'm sorry for the spoilers, but it's still worth watching. Um, we warned you. Yeah, we did warn you. We did warn you, but you should definitely watch this episode because it's pretty good. And then uh, to not further the uh, the the lead that we've been bearing for so long. <laughs> After the mission, after the mission is over with, or at the near the tail end of the mission, and they get the ship, uh, the Mandalorian is like, "Hey, you was going to give me some information." So Bo Katan was like, "All right, go to this planet, go find this person who you all know well. We don't get to get to see a picture of uh, or anything, but go there, find one Ahsoka Tano." And tell her Bo Katan sent you, and she can she can hook you up by finding uh, finding these Jedi. So oh, we got Ahsoka Tano by name at the end of this episode, and we're more than likely going to get um, the live action version of Ahsoka Tano next uh, next episode, probably, possibly. Yeah. We don't know. They could they do some okie doke. Yeah, and if not next episode, sometime soon. So it's going to be glorious. It's pretty cool. Like I definitely. I definitely uh, yelled with some happy joy when I heard that little drop. Absolutely. And we know, uh, I believe, that, uh, we know Ahsoka's going to be played by Rosario Dawson as opposed to Ashley Eckstein, but, you know. So, you know, you can't always get what you want. So. Yeah. Yeah. All so, right. That, so that being the case, yeah, it was a pretty good episode of The Mandalorian this week. No surprise. But, uh, but, yeah, now we can get back to the news. Um, speaking of Star Wars, actually, we're still on that kick. Right. Whoop. Uh, the the holiday special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is you. Uh, Star Wars holiday special confirms Rise of Skywalker theory about Finn. I, and I'm just going to caveat here on to editorialize and say I doubt that very seriously. But, um, oh, so the Star Wars Lego Holiday Special is out on Disney Plus right now. You can go watch it. I will go ahead and say that right now. I haven't seen it yet. I am slightly threatening to watch the original Holiday Special before I watch this, but that would be my masochism at play. I don't know. Apparently, no one needs to go through that. Uh, but Life Day was a couple of days ago, uh, as of the, uh, like two days ago, as of the time of this recording, and. Um, which normally Life Day is pretty much like Christmas, but I don't know, I, I don't know why was that the case. But I guess that was the the other reason why the special came out a couple of days ago was because what forty some odd years ago, that same day, on the same date, 
was the original holiday special. So that is the other reason why it came out a couple of days ago, as opposed to like around Christmas proper. Anyway, um, so yeah, the, the, the Lego Star Wars holiday Christmas special is on Disney Plus right now. Uh, it takes place post Star Wars uh, Rise of the Skywalker, as this thing says, and sees Ray attempting to harness Finn's uh, Force abilities. So uh, we, I guess, you know, that is confirmed that Finn is Force sensitive. Uh, for one thing, but it all doesn't go as well. And uh, the plan, no spoilers here. So Ray has to go undergo some convention lessons. Like we kind of already got some of the final parts. We, she pretty pretty much takes a cross timeline trip into the past of the Star Wars and meets up with a bunch of people. So, uh, 